And so sometimes young women are actually preyed upon, um, especially in the college atmosphere, to freeze their eggs for needy couples. Hello and welcome to Miseducated, the show about unlearning the misguided rules from society that govern our lives. With me, your host, Tash Doherty. Egg freezing is a fascinating new technology, and while it is very expensive, it's now being offered at new fertility clinics and to female employees at companies like Facebook and Google. The first baby born from a frozen egg was in Singapore in 1986, so this technology is so recent that we can't learn about it from our mothers. And so I decided to invite in Valerie Landis, founder of Eggology Club and Experience, to come and tell us more. Her platforms focus on guiding women of any reproductive age through the process of getting their eggs frozen. To give you an idea of how expensive it is, if you went to the Kind Body Fertility Clinic in New York and froze your eggs for 15 years, it would cost you about $21,000, though many parts of these procedures can be covered if you have insurance. And if you then wanted to thaw your eggs, mix them with sperm and get them implanted, that's another $7,000. So overall, it would cost you about $28,000 to have a chance of becoming pregnant. Hopefully, as the technology improves, these costs will continue to come down. But if it's so expensive, then why are people freezing their eggs? What is the experience like? And how would you feel, maybe, about donating your eggs? I asked Valerie all of these questions, and her answers blew my mind. And so here is Valerie. When I was actually in college, I started working in healthcare and that launched me into a career in women's health. So I sold birth control for a good chunk of time, then went into fertility and medical devices within the space. And then the, my 30s, I became really, really career focused. And so then that said, okay, how am I going to ever have a family someday? I was selling technology that would help the cryopreservation of egg freezing or embryo freezing in the fertility space. And going through like all of that in my work career, let me say, oh, okay, um, this is something I would want to embark on personally. And so after a failed relationship um, ended in my late 20s, I said, boy, this is something I should take advantage of. So I decided to freeze my eggs at 33 years old for the first time and went through and undergrowth the process myself, which was really kind of interesting because when you're selling it and you're on the medical side of things and then you switch and you become the patient, you see a lot of a different um, perspective. But essentially you go to your fertility doctor and they'll run all the baseline tests. Typically we'll have all these follicles available. We want to grow all of them the same size at the same rate. That's the goal. So we have the most mature eggs to retrieve at retrieval day. So you take hormones for about two weeks. Some are pre-mixed shots that you just turn a dial and you inject yourself with. And then there are other medications that you have to pre-mix. So it's a powder, you mix it with solution and this and the soliate like water and then you inject that solution into you and that helps grow your follicles when i did my first shot i was really nervous about ever shooting myself up because it's just not natural right and i actually went to a friend who had done ivf and she helped me mix the drugs and do all that i mean here i've been in medicine and fertility health for you know a good 10 years and I still was nervous about giving myself my own shot. So when it got easier and much more consistent, when you're doing it for almost 14 days, it becomes a routine and some sort of habit. 
So it can go up to three to four medications each day. After a full two weeks of injecting herself with fertility hormones, it was time for Valerie to get her eggs retrieved. And so your doctor will say, okay, tonight will be your trigger shot, which is a boost of extraordinary hormones that tells your body, okay, you can release them into the body now. Retrieval is 36 hours later. So they'll go in and poke the first ovary, suck all the fluid out, count all the eggs, then go into the other ovary, do the same thing. And that is how you know your egg count. They'll strip them, clean them, and usually put them in the incubator for about an hour to make sure that they're mature level two eggs. And so they have to be at that level in order to be frozen. Otherwise, they won't make the freeze. And that's why professionals have to help you do this. I definitely felt like this was the right choice for me. Kind of calm that panic, that, that baby panic, if there ever was one, and just, you know, know that I'm making the right choices for myself. And it was worth it. I mean, like literally they, put, they give you a light sedation at the time of retrieval and you don't remember any of it. Valerie had done it. She had successfully gotten her eggs frozen and she had managed to get 22 retrieved, though only 17 made it through the freezing process. She was happy with the treatment, and for a while she was able to put her baby panic aside. But two years later, not much in her life had changed. Then after I froze my eggs the first time, I kind of got addicted to it, I don't want to say that. I got obsessed about the number of eggs, because it's all an egg math game. And then I was like, well, you know, my life really didn't change two years later, I should probably do this again. In her second attempt at egg freezing, Valerie was able to add 12 eggs to her collection, bringing her total to 29. The second time, you know, I had just bought a new apartment and I was remodeling it and I was thinking, gosh, you know, this is going to be more time out of my schedule. Going through the process a second time, Valerie started to counsel her friends when they came to her with this life decision. And then, using her own experience and all her knowledge about fertility that she had gained from her job, she started helping friends of friends. And before she knew it, she was helping women all over the world. She created eggsperience.com to help women understand the process, find the right doctors and understand the costs. And she also founded the Eggology Club, which is a podcast and YouTube series that shares women's stories of their egg freezing experiences. So I think it was back in 2012, there were under like 3,000 or 4,000 women that froze. And now it's up to 18 to 20,000 a year. So you can see how much change has happened in just seven years. I was talking to women that were in their later 30s, so like 38, 39, 40. And now most of my clientele and people that I talk to are 25. And that's, that's kind of like the average age. Or they're asking for egg freezing as a graduation present. And um, they're finding really unique ways to pay for it. And, you know, it's funny because their parents are really open to it because it's their future grandchildren. <laughs> your eggs have a lifespan. And essentially from your first period to about 40-ish, early 40s, that's when your eggs are viable. Now, your uterus is still good beyond 40s. If you want your own DNA as part of the child's makeup, then freezing your eggs anytime in your 20s or early 30s would be most ideal. What's interesting is that most people don't even know their fertility status. And so what I always suggest is before you go do anything, go get your baseline. And then anytime from there forward, you have a number to reflect back on. Like, oh, okay, it's gone up, it's gone down. I advocate for women to actually go to their individual HR departments and tell them that this is something that they want 
in their company benefits. Like for example, Facebook, the reason Facebook offered $20,000 for egg freezing for its Facebook employees is literally because someone came and said, it'd be really nice if it was covered. You know, there's lots of companies that have like really neat perks. Like maybe they have dog grooming services that come into the office or they have lunch or they have beanbag chairs. And if it's not what you care about, if you don't voice it, then no one will ever know that that's something that, that should be offered. The workplace is becoming more very conscious of women's needs on how to balance family life choices. You know, lucky for us, women are having the ability to do it all. As Valerie told me about how powerful and amazing this technology was in changing women's lives, she also painted a slightly bleak picture of where we are with access to egg freezing today. There's only 12 states that offer fertility coverage of any kind. In fact, with a bit more research, we were able to find egg freezing locations in California, Florida, Georgia, Illinois, Louisiana, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, Maine, Indiana, Arizona, New York, Texas, Washington State, and Washington, D.C. And now it's not full coverage. It might be just coverage of your meds, or it might be coverage of a procedure or a particular diagnosis, like if you have PCOS or something. And if you live in one of those states that isn't covered, then you're kind of out of luck. So as Valerie was gaining even more research and an understanding of access to egg freezing, she realised that getting her eggs frozen twice simply wasn't enough. She decided to freeze one more time and actually document the process from start to finish. And so she spent the next year physically preparing her body for another cycle of egg freezing and fertility. I thought, well, just to give myself the best odds possible, I'm going to freeze one more time. I should do this just for a pure practical standpoint that this is probably the best eggs of my yield that will eventually help be able to extend my biological clock. And that third time I filmed it and I recorded it because I thought people should be able to see this to really understand if it's right for them. Because, you know, I talk to women all over the globe and everybody has a different reason for freezing. Now, there are things you can do to protect your fertility. For example, my last freeze, I knew it was the last time I was going to do this. And I just wanted to blow this cycle out, not only just on the med side, but I wanted to like do as much as I could personally to affect my health. And so I took fertility vitamins, I made smoothies every day, I tried to exercise and stay active, and I got a total of eggs that were viable, as same as my first two cycles put together. The last time she froze her eggs, Valerie's work had made a big difference. She was able to freeze 31 eggs, bringing her to a total of 60. But what was she going to do with them? So like in the very beginning, when you get your blood drawn and stuff, you can ask for a historic perspective on your risk factors for like sickle cell or any kind of diseases. Or what's nice is when you go through IVF and fertility, which egg freezing is the first half of IVF, you know, it's the retrieval portion, but you can actually test those before you implant them. So you know the genetic likelihood that this will turn into a baby. And that's kind of nice because then you can cut down on your risk factors for, for a miscarriage. You could screen for likelihood of certain diseases or disabilities like Down syndrome, or physical characteristics, or even gender. And this conversation reminded me of my philosophy class in high school, where we studied designer babies. When you understand the entire genetic information behind an egg or an embryo, you get to choose. 
Well, I'm a Virgo, so I end autonomy on some of those choices. But I think, you know, it's nice because then you can do really good family planning. You're only working with the DNA that you have the choice of. And we do that naturally. You know, even in dating, we select mates. And for once, most of that power is given to the woman. This is a shift in control of the family dynamic, right? We're not necessarily having kids with the wrong person or maybe older women decided to have a baby on their own and there's nothing wrong with that. But if you consciously know you have that area of your life taken care of, then maybe you'll make different dating choices and time won't get wasted with the wrong person because you think that's, you'd have to start over if that's the case, you know, and how much more healthy decisions could be made. Not only can you be intentional about the egg, but you can also be intentional about the sperm as well. The idea that we can now in a Petri dish inject a sperm into an egg and create an embryo is pure, happened purely by accident, actually, you know, and that changed the whole game for sperm and embryos in the lab because now we We don't have to put a bunch of sperm into a Petri dish and hope one of them gets to the egg. But now we can select the actual sperm that will impregnate the egg. Suddenly you can see that it's not just about couples and women who are struggling to conceive. It's about people being able to afford to decide exactly when they're going to have children and what kind of children they want to have. With great power comes great responsibility. And suddenly this topic that we had studied as pure science fiction was actually a reality. What's nice is that when you bring in the science aspect, you kind of can make those decisions and say, okay, I'd like a boy first, or I'd like a girl first. And so that's another nice thing too, because now you can plan when you would want to be pregnant, hopefully, you know, within a window or what month you'd want your kid to be born. You know, you can kind of count backwards. That's the advantages and upside. Now, granted, I've been drinking the Kool-Aid, but you know, if you're only going to have maybe one or two kids, I don't see any harm in deciding you know, boy, girl, girl, boy. And the moral challenges behind this new technology get even greater when you think about egg donation. Some services are paying women thousands of dollars, sometimes to travel to foreign countries, in order to do all of the fertility shots and procedures so that they can donate their eggs to other people. Um, And I just want to, like, alert people to some of the risks, not just the risks, but also, like, the dangers of people who might be more exploitative and, yeah. What's interesting is that with egg freezing, you can also be an egg donor. And this is a topic that's not talked about very often, whereas donor sperm is much more common and often used. And so sometimes young women are actually preyed upon, um, especially in the college atmosphere, to freeze their eggs for needy couples or a family that need that DNA. And oftentimes there's not a lot of advantages for the egg freezer unless they negotiate those up front. So like saving half their eggs of that lot. Otherwise, all the DNA that they collect from that freeze will be owned by the agency. And so if you're hearing a $10,000 but you're getting paid to get your eggs frozen and donate them to someone else, just know that that means you could have unlimited amount of children out there that resulted in live births that you'll never know. Your DNA is live out there and and you potentially, any children you have could be half siblings to those individuals. And so you have to understand all those moral dilemmas, those, those feelings behind that. You know that there's a child of your DNA out there running around. Is that, are you okay with that? 
I think it's one of those things, I, I was thinking about this before talking to you, and well, maybe my gay best friends need an egg donor. Like, or, you know, if my siblings came up to me and they said, hey, we actually really can't conceive. And like, then I think for family, I would definitely think about doing it. Having those conversations with yourself and saying, in which situations would I be comfortable doing this? In which situations would I not be? How secret do you want to be? Because now we live in a day and age where 23andMe tests are everywhere. So if you think you're donating anonymously, think again, because now there's facial recognition and all kinds of things that, you know, you might want to consider how those conversations will go in the future with maybe a future partner or a future family if you make these choices now. And I mean, do you think women have more of a biological attachment to their children than men? Or is that just because like egg donation hasn't been as available in the market and stuff for as long as sperm banks have. I think every individual is different, but I think there's definitely something to the biological aspect of carrying a child for nine months that creates a bond that the male just doesn't have because they're not doing that. But I, I don't know. I mean, I've also known men who were very family oriented and really wanted their own biological child and that was really important to them so i see both sides of the coin i don't think it's a sex thing and you're also potentially getting paid a lot of money as well to do it which is kind of an interesting situation but you you could gain money through having a normal job or you could gain money from you know having to inject yourself with hormones for an egg donation that you might not even get your own eggs from so it's not yeah. just a painless... Yeah. Um... Just read the fine print is all is my biggest cautionary tale, is that if you're embarking on any kind of donation process, know what your rights are and, you know, seek a legal opinion. And, and also, if you don't like something that's in the contract, negotiate it. Exactly. So could you tell me a bit more about the documentary that you've made already? Sure. Yeah, so basically it's a bunch of videos that I've been collecting over the last six years as I've been freezing and things that have been going on in my life personally, and then how egg freezing first started. So like, for example, egg freezing became something that was scientifically pursued because of the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church didn't like the idea of destroying embryos because that's when they determined life started. And so they said, well, we've been freezing sperm for years. Let's try to freeze the egg, which they did very unsuccessfully for many years until we got vitrification, which is the new form of freezing versus the slow freeze that had been used before because eggs are full of a lot of visceral fluid. And just like when you put water into an ice tray and then put that into the freezer, it crystallizes and has like all these tiny crystals. But if you can freeze it faster and then keep it at those temperatures, then it doesn't crystallize and break the egg. And, and so yeah, eggs are very fragile and we have to treat them as such. Valerie hoped to finish her documentary, which is called This Is Egg Freezing, and have it screened on Netflix and Hulu. But the COVID crisis has put her plans on hold for now. Luckily, I had an amazing film crew that helped document the entire process. What I learned in the movie documenting process is that you actually create a film three times. It's what you think you want to create, right? It's what actually happens when you film it. And then it's the editing process, how you put it together. In fact, the path to parenthood is kind of like making a documentary. First, you plan and you create the storyline. And then you get what actually happens. And third, you edit the story and you tell it in your own way and how you put it together. I've been very fortunate that I, I have been able to afford it and take advantage of a technology that was out at the time because it wasn't popular to do. In fact, a lot of women were really 
ashamed that they had to freeze their eggs. And now it's more of an empowering choice. And so I want to just, you know, shift that narrative for people to understand that this can be something great for themselves and where there's a will, there's a way, and you can find a way to do this. And I'm here to help. So it was 33 the first time, 35 the second time, and 36, almost 37 the third time. Three different clinics. It does matter who your doctor is. It does matter where you store them. But what I did learn about the process is how to streamline all of the costs and being your own advocate. And then also how to consolidate. So like had eggs at three different places that could be really expensive with storage. Does Valerie think she will have a kid soon? You know, there's a lot of things that I want to accomplish in my career yet and things I want to do personally and travel. But, you know, I can be very optimistic and calm about the whole procedure and idea because I know I have these 60 eggs in the freezer. Hopefully in my 40s, that family component will work itself out. But we make all these plans and then life happens. You can learn more about Valerie and egg freezing at eggsperience.com. That's E-G-G-S-P-E-R-I-E-N-C-E.com. And you can find more about them on Instagram at eggsperience underscore. If you like this episode of Miseducated, we would be really grateful if you could give us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts if possible. Thank you so much and lots of love. Bye.